are you? Uh, I want to talk to you about fathers. I want to talk to you about a tale of two fathers is what I entitled the message this week. A tale of two fathers. Turn to John chapter 8 and James chapter 1. All right? In other words, we'll begin in John 8, and then if you'll put a marker in James chapter 1 so that we can flip over there real quickly, uh, that will help us. Now, ladies, if you'll just allow me for a minute, I'm going to share a little frustration that we men have with you. Um, this is Father's Day, so just let me help the dads here a little bit. You know, when you, um, we really have it tougher than you think, ladies. When, when you get married, uh, who does the Bible say that we represent as a husband? Who do we represent? Jesus. Uh, and then when you become a father, who do you represent? God the Father, right? Okay, ladies, lay off. I mean, that's tough, you know? I mean, all, you just represent the church, you know, big, big deal. Come on. We, we, we have to be God the Father and Jesus. And we're just not going to make it, all right? We're, we're doing the best we can, but we're not going to get there. Now, the reason that I, I told you that is because we compare a lot earthly fathers to heavenly fathers, to the heavenly father. Now, here's my thing. I understand that it, it's okay to say that our earthly fathers, what's good in them, they got from our heavenly father, and they represent in that way the good of our heavenly father. But the problem is that there's another father mentioned in Scripture that every father here begins with. In other words, until we're born again, do you know who our father is before we get saved? Satan. And your father, everything good that you saw in your father, your natural father, he got from God. Everything good. But everything bad you saw in him, he got from Satan. I want you to understand that. And, and when we compare earthly fathers to the heavenly father, the reason I think that that can get us in trouble somewhat is because it is not a good representation. Even the best father on this earth isn't the right representation of the heavenly father. And as a matter of fact, I think the enemy actually kind of twists this, this contrast this comparison of earthly fathers and heavenly fathers, I think the enemy has twisted that. And in some people's hearts and minds today, Father's Day is not a good day. You know, uh, I read the story years ago of a, a nun that was uh, ministering in a prison, and one of the prisoners asked her, could you get me a Mother's Day card? So it kind of spread around that she was going to get him a Mother's Day card to send to his mother, and all the prisoners wanted them. And so she contacted Hallmark, and they donated them, and all the prisoners in this prison sent a Mother's Day card to their mothers. A Father's Day came around, and she thought, hey, this will be good. So she contacted Hallmark again. They donated all the cards. Here's the sad part of the story. She said, I still have all those cards. Not one man in prison picked up a Father's Day card to send. The reason, I believe, is because the enemy says, if that's what God's like... I don't want anything to do with him. Because all fathers start with the wrong father. They need to get the right father and get saved. And probably most of these prisoners, their father never got saved. 
So they didn't have a good relationship. And Father's Day kind of stirs up emotions in many people, some good but some bad, some very negative. And in some ways, some people believe that the heavenly father is like their earthly father was. And that's why I don't think it's a good comparison. As a matter of fact, think about this. Of the, of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, many, many people believe that the Father is the mean one. Think about it. He, he's the one that demands perfection. He, he's, he's harsh, and he's critical, and he's judgmental. You know, the Father's the mean one, Jesus is the nice one, and the Holy Spirit's the weird one. <laughs> you don't want to get too close to him, because you might get weird too, you know. That's, that's kind of what the enemy has done by twisting. Here's, but here's what Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen him. He's just like me. The, the Father is not on the other side of Jesus swinging away, and Jesus is kind of holding him back, you know, because he's, he's the good, nice one. And the Father's saying, just let me get a few good hits in before you save him. That's not the Father. As a matter of fact, it was the Father's idea for the Son to come. Did you know that? Let me just show you, before I get to John 8, let me show you the most famous verse in the Bible. John 3, 16, for God, and this is talking about the Father. Okay, we know it's the Father because of what it says. For the Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So the Father's not the mean one, and Jesus is not the nice one. They're all nice. And in order for you to really be fully devoted, we're in a series called Simply Devoted to God. For you to be simply devoted or fully devoted to God, you're going to have to get a good relationship with the Father. And so if you want to do that, the best way to do it is to not compare an earthly father to the heavenly father. But if we're going to compare, let's compare and let's contrast the two fathers that are actually mentioned in Scripture. There's a good father and a bad father. And first, let's talk about the bad father, right? Number one, the bad father. Jesus is telling us about these two fathers, and maybe you've never seen this in this light, but look at John 8, verse 38. John 8, verse 38. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Notice they're not the same. They answered and said to him, well, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. This is Jesus talking now. Then they said to him, well, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father. Now, the implication here is obviously he's not. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. There's the other reference again, back to John 3.16. The father sent the son. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So here Jesus is clearly describing two fathers. He's saying there's a bad father and there's a good father. You don't have the same father I have. 
Your father is the devil. It is clear. Listen, even if your father was a believer, for the first few years of his life, until he got saved, he was born with the devil being his father. So, when you see something bad in your earthly father, he got it from his first father. When you see something good in him, he got it from his adopted father. God, you understand what I'm saying? So don't be mad at your earthly father. Let me say it another way. Don't be mad at the water hose. Your father is just a conduit. Either God the Father, a good father flowed through him, or a bad father. And because we're human, all of us have characteristics of both. We have characteristics of good in our life. We have characteristics of bad in our life. And Jesus is very clearly telling us, listen, there's a bad father. And then he tells us two things about him. First thing he tells us is he's a murderer. He is a murderer. He wants to murder you. You need to know that. You have an enemy and he hates you and he wants to kill you. And he doesn't just want you to die. He wants you to die at his hands. He wants to murder you. He wants to murder your family. He wants to murder your business. He wants to murder your hopes, your dreams, your health, your relationships. He wants to murder everything about you. That's Satan. That's the first father. He is a murderer. He doesn't just want to kill you physically. He wants to kill you emotionally. He wants to kill you with depression and discouragement and bitterness and anger and fear and wrath and malice and envy and jealousy. He wants to murder you with addiction. He wants to murder you any way he can. I want you to understand that there is a murderer on the loose looking for you. You understand? This message is to help you contrast the two fathers you need to be contrasting, and that's the bad father and the good father. I hope you hate, at the end of this message, I hope you hate the bad father, and I hope you're fully devoted to the good father. Number one, he's a murderer. Secondly, he's a liar. He is a liar. Did you notice how much truth Jesus said was in him? How much? None. There's no truth. Now, I want to help you here. Let me tell you how you know if Satan is lying. If his mouth is open, he's lying. If his mouth is open, he's lying to you. Now, obviously we can't see his mouth. We don't see the devil. So let me give you a little more practical way to know because we don't literally see his mouth. Here's how to know if the devil is lying to you. If there is a thought in your mind that does not line up with the Bible, Satan's lying to you. If you have a thought that you're not going to make it, that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't forgive you, that God's mad at you. Any thought that you have that does not line up with the Bible is from Satan. He's lying to you. He's lying to you. And he does it all the time. He lies about relationships. He lies about our business. He lies about our health. He lies about our children. He lies about our marriage. He is a liar, and there is no truth in him. Every time he talks, he's telling a lie. Every time. How did he deceive Eve in the beginning? He lied to her. He lied to her. He said, you will not surely die. God said it. God said you will, but I'm telling you, you won't. It was a lie. Because they did. They died spiritually, and eventually they died physically, because physical death came to the world with sin. So he's a liar. But we all believe his lies for some reason. Every one of us have believed his lies. And we get real upset sometimes, and then we find out later that we got upset about something that wasn't even true. I had a friend of mine called me up one time, chewed me out for about five minutes, just chewed me out. 
Debbie was in the car with me. We were actually going to the hospital to visit someone. And uh, she said to me, a little while, who is it? Because I wasn't talking, you know. You know something's going on when you're on the phone and you're not saying anything. Just the other person talking. So she said, who is it? So I put the phone down and I said, it's so-and-so and he's chewing me out. He puts the phone back up, you know, and I listened some more and he chewed me out real good. And at the end of the chewing out, I said to him, are you finished? And uh, he said, um, yeah, I'm finished. I said, uh, well, I agree with everything you said except one part of it. And he said, what's that? I said, the whole part. <laughs> because it's a lie. What you're upset about is a lie. Because it didn't happen. And he said, really? I said, yep, didn't happen. He said, oh, okay. <laughs> I said, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's talk about this for a minute. <laughs> You've been upset about this for days. I mean, you've been discouraged about it. You've been angry about it. You've been all upset. And you call me up and chew me out. I said to him, could we just make an agreement in our relationship that you'll just believe the best? When you get a thought like that in your mind about me, would you just choose to see that thought as coming from one of two places? It either came from God... Or it came from the devil. And God is good and the devil is bad. Now listen to me. I said, from now on, if you hear something that you, you say, that I said, just call me and ask me. Just say to, just call me and say, you know, I just heard something kind of crazy and, and uh, I know you, so I know this is crazy, but I heard this. And just let me at least answer it. And then if it's true, chew me out all you want. But just ask me before. Think about it. How many times have you gotten angry at someone and found out later it wasn't even true? Come on, don't look religious because you're in church. <laughs> Satan lies. He is a liar. So that's the bad father. Here's the good father. Flip over to James chapter 1 and let me show you the good father. James chapter 1 verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am tempted by God. Now, by the way, the Greek word for that, the word tempted there, is the same. But the next Greek word is different. It's, it's important, all right? The next time we see it. Watch. For God cannot be tempted by evil. That is a different Greek word than the previous two Greek words where it's translated tempted. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. Now, that's the same one of the first two. But each one is tempted. That's the same one. The only one that's different, they all say tempted in English, is when it says God cannot be tempted. That's a different one, all right? Each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift. How many good gifts? How many? Every one of them, everything good in your life, that's what this is saying, everything good in your life is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, plural, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now, the, where, where it says variation, the best translation would be variableness, ability to vary slightly. There is no ability to vary slightly. The reason I wanted to call your attention to that is because it's the only place that word is used in the whole Bible. In the whole New Testament, 
uh, is, which was written in Greek. That's the only time that Greek word is used. And it means uh, less than a degree of variation, the slightest variation possibly. Here's what it's saying. With God, there's not even the ability to variate at all from his character. He doesn't even have that ability. He doesn't possess it. It's totally impossible for him. Now, go back to the word tempted. He said any time a person's tempted, he's tempted by his own desires because God cannot be tempted by evil. But that word where God cannot be tempted is a totally different word. And what it means is slightly touched. Lightly, slightly touched. Uh, any connection at all. No connection. Not even a get close and there's a spark between the two. Here, here's what he's saying. Anytime a person is tempted, and that word tempted means enticed. Anytime a person is enticed, he's not being enticed by God because God cannot even be slightly touched with evil. He can't do it. So let me say it this way. There's no way that God could ever tempt you to do something wrong because there's no wrong in God. That's what it's saying. God is completely, totally good. He could not in any way do anything bad because there is no bad in Him. There's not even the slightest possibility of Him being bad. God is good. God is good. Now, I'm going to tell you my theology. This is as deep as I get. I'm not that deep, all right? But it helps me a whole lot in this life. I'm going to give you my theology, the foundation of all of my theology. Here it is. God, good. (laughs) Satan, bad. That's it. I don't get any deeper than that. I'm telling you, though, it helps me a lot. It will help you tremendously if you understand everything good in your life came from God. Everything. There's nothing good in your life that you didn't get from God. You got everything good from God. And everything bad came from the devil. And there's not the slightest possibility that God can be bad. Are are y'all catching this? 1 John says it this way. In Him is light and there is no darkness in Him at all. There's none. There's no possibility. Now, it's contrasted this. There's no darkness in God and there's no truth in Satan. It's what Jesus said, no truth in him. Let me show you another. Here's a a deep verse. By the way, what is the longest psalm of all the psalms? What's the longest psalm? Anyone remember? Psalm 119. Let me show you a little verse in Psalm 119. Verse 68. You are good and do good. Okay, that's deep theology right there. God's good. God's good. Everything good in your life came from God. Everything bad came from Satan. God is good and will always be good. Hey, do you know what God's famous for? The Bible tells us what He's famous for. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by famous. Um, when a person is good at something, he, he achieves fame for that. For instance, um, what is Michael Jordan famous for? Basketball, that's easy, isn't it? What's Tiger Woods famous for? Golf, other than uh, this weekend's U.S. Open, he's good. (laughs) What's God famous for? What's God good at? What is God better at than anyone else? What is God, what, did you say golf? It's probably true too. 
um, what is God the best at? The Bible uses a different word for fame. It uses the word glory. In other words, you do something so well, you get glory for that thing. And one day, Moses asked God, what are you famous for? Show me what you're famous for. Show me what you get glory for. Show me what you do better than anyone. And God said, you want to see what I'm famous for? I'll show you. Let me read you the scripture. Exodus 33, verse 18. And he, talking about Moses, said, Please show me your glory. Then he, God, said, I will make all my... What? Goodness, Pastor. Here's what Moses said. Show me what you're famous for. God said, you want to know what I'm famous for? Goodness. I'm good at being good. I'm gooder than anyone else. I'm the goodest. No one gooder than me. Right? God's good. And God is good at goodness. God is a good God. So many of us don't believe God's good. We really don't. And many, many times, it's because of an earthly representation. Good. You've got to believe God's good. We have to. God is Good. Now, let me show you one more thing in James chapter 1. It said he's the father of lights. He's the father of lights, plural. I almost did my two points. I've got the bad father and the good father because I really wanted you to key in on that. I almost did my points the father of lies and the father of lights. So we could remember those two things as well about the bad father and the good father. But it says the father of lights. It doesn't say light. Singular. It says lights, plural. Uh, I, I read the commentaries, and I always do this as I study. I do background, informational, historical things, you know, on all these passages. Uh, all the commentaries are wrong on this one, by the way. By the way, next week, I'm going to preach a sermon, and all the commentaries are wrong next week, too. But it's the sermon I've been waiting to get to in this series is next week. All right? It's the good one. But it says, on, it says, Father of lights. You know what all the commentary says that means, that lights means? Stars. They all feel like for some reason that it's referring to the stars. Because Genesis 1 talks about he put lights in the firmament and he called them stars. For some reason they go back to that. I, I just have a problem with that. I don't think he's the father of stars. I think he made the stars for us. He's the creator of the stars. But that's not who he wants to father. There are two other places where the same Greek word is used, right here where it says the father of lights in James 1.17. Let me read you those scriptures and see if you can figure out who lights are referring to. Philippians 2.15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Ephesians 5, 8, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light or lights in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Okay, who are the lights? We are. And who's he the father of? Father of lights. If you're a believer... You've got a new father, and you've got the good father now. You don't have the bad father anymore. 
And do you know, by the way, how you got the good father? Let me just remind you, you were adopted. You were born with the bad father, and the good father adopted you. And he adopted you, by the way. You didn't adopt him. You, you know, uh, um, they don't quite do it this way, but they used to have the orphanages, and, and child, parents could actually go and watch the children play and pick out a child and adopt the child, you know. But you need to understand that parents adopt children. Children don't adopt parents. They never, ever lined the parents up and said, Now, Johnny, which mommy and daddy do you want? And Johnny said, Hmm, I want that mommy over there and that daddy over there. It doesn't happen that way, right? Parents adopt the children. You know why I'm telling you this? I just want to remind you, you didn't adopt God. God adopted you. Jesus said it straight out to the disciples. You didn't choose me. I chose you. God chose us. And let me tell you what happened when I got adopted. And this is what happened when you got adopted. God came to the adoption agency of this world, looked around at all the boys and girls, and pointed at me. And he said, I want that boy right there. And Satan said, Oh, um, hang on. I'm sorry. I don't know how this happened. This is a mistake. Uh, he shouldn't be in there with the rest of the, of the kids. Um, you see, that's, that's my son. And you, you can't have him. You pick anyone else, but you can't have him. That's my son. And God said, but I want him. And Satan said, you can't have him. And God said, well, that's the one I want. And so Satan said this. Okay. I'll tell you what. I'll give you my son if you'll give me your son. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do to your son. I'm going to take your son and I'm going to beat him. I'm going to scourge him. I'm going to mock him. I'm going to spit on him. And I'm going to nail him to a cross until he dies. Now, Do you still want that boy? And God said, yes, I do. And now I have a good father. And everything good in my life I got from him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Is Father's Day a good memory for you or a bad memory? Don't let your focus be too much on your earthly father today. We do need to honor them. Absolutely, we need to honor them. But what I want to know is what spiritual father do you have? Have you ever accepted God into your life. God has adopted you into His family if you'll receive it. It's up to you now to receive Him. He's paid the price for you. Gave His only Son in exchange for your life. His Son's life for your life. But you have to accept it. If you're here today and you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. We want to pray for you. We want to help you. What, what a better day to get saved 
than Father's Day. Not a better day. So if you're here today and you're away from God, maybe you grew up going to church, but you're away from God. Maybe you came because it's Father's Day. This is the most important part of the service for you. If you're here today and you're not right with God, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand. And we're going to have leaders here at the front at that time. And I'm asking you to just stand up and step out and come all in one motion. And just say to one of the leaders here at the front, I need to get my life right with God. Now listen to me. Please don't. you got two people talking to you right now. Two fathers. One loves you. One wants to do only good in your life. One gave his son for you. The other one hates you. Wants to kill you. And is lying to you right now. He'll say things like this. You don't need to go down front to get right with God. You you don't need to do that. Just do it right here in your seat. Just do it in your heart. Listen, let us help you. Let us pray for you. If you're here today and you're not right with God, make up your mind. If I'm the only one that goes, I'm going to go. You won't be, but you make up your mind. Right now, Jesus died for me. I can live for him. So if that's you, if you're not right with God, you make up your mind. When we stand up, you're just going to stand up and step out and come. And let us pray for you. Let us minister to you. If you're here and you're a believer, but there are some things in your life that aren't going right right now, and you need some prayer. Maybe you've been coming here for a while, but you've never come to the altar for prayer. Don't ever be embarrassed to come to the altar for prayer. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say, well, that's only the weak people that go for prayer. No, it's the strong people. It's the strong people that step out and say, I need some help. So if you need prayer, we're going to be available. And if you serve on the altar ministry team, I feel like we're going to need everyone down here this week because we need to minister to a lot of people. So you just come as quickly as you can, all right? I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we'll stand. As soon as we stand, you step out and come. We want to minister to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will draw every person that needs to come right now. And I rebuke Satan from lying to people and holding people back from coming to you or coming to receive ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.